Welcome to the Reckoning Podcast, where we stoke a campfire, gather around, and have real-life conversations with old friends, new friends, professionals, and just shoot the shit. Reckoning all things from hunting, outdoors, beauty, entrepreneurship, relationships, life, and more. It's all just a reckoning. On this episode, I am joined by Drea from Ridge Patrol and who is also a professional hunting guide. She is a badass female. And I think that not only the female audience can get a lot from this episode as we talk about tips and tricks for females getting started or just gear that you may need in outdoors coming from, again, a professional hunting guide, but also the male audience can get a lot from this, um, just from her story in general and how she connected to nature and her experience building a business and also getting into being a professional hunting guide. Who is Drea? Growing up in the lush paradise in Longview, Washington, Drea and her large family were reliant on hunting, fishing, and gardening. Learning how to provide for her family at a young age was a normal expectation growing up, but yet Drea experienced darkness as a young girl, as her brother sexually abused her. Using nature to heal, Drea finds a way to survive among the ferns and the tall evergreens. Learning to hunt gave her the confidence to be independent and brave. Now nearly 32 years old, Drea has utilized those skills to build a business and become a professional hunting guide. Sitting in an office five days a week is a foreign idea to her for her office is the wild. I commend Drea so much for being willing to share her story. We talk more about who she is and her sexual abuse and also how that led her to being a hunting guide. And then also opening up about what it's like being a female hunting guide and being in the outdoor industry as a female um, and just in general being a hunter. Like I said, she gives so many great tips for hunters to get out in nature, especially females. And if you are wanting more information on Ridge Patrol and maybe some gift ideas for your girl, this is definitely the episode to listen to. I know that you can get so much from this episode and there's so much to relate to when it comes to using nature to heal. Welcome to the episode, Drea. Well, I am so excited that you joined me. I actually came across you on TikTok is where I came across Ridge Patrol, um, which I love how the algorithm kind of works in my favor sometimes there because I feel like Instagram, I don't quite get fed what I would like to see. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was excited when I saw that because I've always been like, I want something specifically for women when it comes to outdoors and clothing. So I was so stoked to see you guys come across my feed. And then as I dove deeper into your um, TikTok, I guess. I don't want to say Instagram, your TikTok. I kind of got a feel for like you and what you guys have to offer. I would love if you could kind of share like, how were you introduced to the outdoors? Absolutely. So I grew up in a family that was reliant on hunting and fishing. I grew up in the West Coast. So Longview, Washington, which was prime habitat for harvesting vegetables and fruit and you know the Columbia River was close by so a lot of the summer days were spent on the river catching stillhead and salmon so for me it's it's just always been my way of life and uh, I feel very fortunate for that so like from a very young age I grew up in the garden picking weeds and um, you know knowing directly where my food source came from Mm -hmm. we grew up on 10 acres of land and so we had tree forts 
and big rope swings and, you know, a lot of memories from swimming down at the creek. And that was just our way of life. We were always outside running around, exploring, learning. Um, and so it's just always been sort of me as a whole. And mm-hmm. yeah. Do you remember your first like vivid, vivid memory outdoors? I do. Um, I was a little girl. We were down at the creek below the house. So um, Cole Creek was about a mile from my house and we would have to like make a trail every summer going down because the, the weeds, the stinging nettos, the blackberry bushes, you know, it's a rainforest. So there was a ton of vegetation. Mm-hmm. So we would clear our path every year going down. And I remember just following behind my older siblings. I had my my life jacket on and my little rubber boots. And just I remember like all the vegetation being super tall. Everything was just lush and really green. And we got down there and the creek was fairly big. And you have all these little mini waterfalls, really deep pools. And then all this moss grew on the rock, which was really cool. So it made for like really fun slip and slides. But because I was so little, my parents wouldn't let me swim like in the bigger pools. And I had to just hang out on this smooth rock that had like little puddles of water from when Mm -hmm. the water was high and it kind of created a little safe spot for me to swim. And I still remember like the smell and the air on my skin and like watching my older siblings jump off this big tree that had fallen into this deep pool and just like someday when I'm big, (laughs) I'll be able to jump off that log. Um, And, you know, they would get done swimming and run over, be like, oh, let's catch some crawdads. And we were always fishing or trying to catch crawdads using like a little stick with some lunch meat. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just a very like, you know, it's a wild place, but it felt very, very safe and it's crazy to think back to like my parents letting us going to let us going down there at such a young age. Um, cause it was a pretty big, pretty big, uh, Creek. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of good memories, but that's sort of like that first one that sticks out where I remember being so small and being like, wow, mm-hmm. this world is amazing. Wow. Yeah. All <laughs> the things I can do when I get bigger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a beautiful picture. That definitely makes me crave like, the springtime warmth and the greenery <laughs> hearing that mm-hmm. yeah hearing that. makes me miss it yeah are you located there now or where are you currently I am not I am actually in Montana now okay recently. and what Just, recently yeah I moved here um so I came here to guide for Upper Canyon Outfitters in October and just fell in love with the place and the company and always dreamt of living in Montana since I was a young girl. And I just like, well, it's time <laughs> now or never. Yeah. Oh, there was yeah. a lot of sort of like transitions that have happened in the last, I should say since um, uh, like fall and it just felt right. It was like, all right, it's time to time to start over and start new. And so here I am. I know you have quite the incredible story when it comes to like what led you to be in outdoors like you are and guiding is is that something you could share like what kind of led you to be so in-depth into nature absolutely um that's that's a big rabbit hole and I could go on for hours Uh, I'm actually writing a book about my connection to nature um, that I found as a little girl and so I can kind of just give a little snippet of that Um, but like I said grew up in a family reliant on hunting all of my memories from growing up are from outside I couldn't 
tell you anything special about being inside. You know, we didn't have a TV growing up, grew up in a fairly religious family. And so our life was pretty modern. And like I said, the outdoors was essentially all I knew. And when I was about 10 to 12 years old, I was sexually abused by my brother. And because of the religion that my family practice and they, they still practice today. Obviously I left that religious practice a while back. Um, sort of the way you cope with things is you forgive and you forget and you move on. And so that was what I believed as a young girl. So like being a victim of sexual abuse, I was like, you know what? God forgives him. God forgives me. I just have to move on. But that doesn't fix things. That doesn't heal you. That doesn't make it okay. And so I essentially went into the fight, flight, freeze, all of that mode um, on just trying to survive. So I had no regulation of my emotions. I uh, was constantly living in fear. Like I was terrified to go to sleep at night. And in the summertime, I would sleep on the porch because I hated sleeping in my bedroom. That was like the scariest place for me to be. I had a lot of nightmares pretty much every night growing up. I had nightmares essentially reliving that trauma day after day after day. But for one, when you're a victim, it's really hard to to know like, oh, I this was wrong. Like, I need help. And so because of the religious teachings as well, I was just kind of in this tunnel vision of like, okay, I just need to survive. And so I would have these overwhelming emotions that would come over me, whether it was my brother teasing me or my sisters not letting me play with them or just like I would get home from school and like was so bundled up in like anxiety in school all day and I would just run to the forest. And so I actually have... Um, a snippet of my book, if you won't mind me reading. Yeah, I would that love kinda... to. And when are you experiencing this to give us a time frame as far as all this happening yeah. and your feelings? Mm-hmm. So I was roughly like 10 to 12 years old when the abuse happened. Okay. And so I didn't tell anybody for 15 years. I I lived with that. It became a suppressed memory. So that's something that actually happens with a lot of people is they suppress the trauma that happens to them. And trauma isn't necessarily sexual abuse or physical abuse. Like trauma happens in our lives on the daily. And I think a lot of people don't realize it. And so essentially my entire early childhood and teenage years and then my young adult years were stuck in this tunnel vision of high anxiety no self-esteem. I had no self-esteem, no confidence. And I always was the one just trying to entertain everybody. I'm a very personable person. And so like I would get in in a room full of like 200 people at like some church event and would just act super goofy and make everybody laugh because deep down I was so sad and so scared. And that was sort of my, like my, uh, my armor, right? Like that's what I would use to like show people, Hey, I'm okay. Like, I'm not sad. I'm not scared in this situation right now, you know, constantly watching my back. And so years 10, 11, 12, roughly in there is when it happened. And then it wasn't until my early twenties that I actually started seeking professional help and started realizing the severity of that amount of years of just living in a victim mentality. Like I didn't know anything different. 
But there's a little snippet of my book I would love to share with all of you. It's just a quick little idea of how I escaped to the wild. The ferns seemed to give off a new energy that day as I laid among them. The combination of yesterday's passing rainstorm and this day in particular sunshine brought vibrance and life to everything it touched. And I couldn't help but drop my hands to the earth, feeling her vibrations flow through me. I felt calm, at peace, and safe. The ferns that surrounded the forest floor stood at about three feet tall, creating an entirely different perspective when sitting down. The smell of dirt and life filled my nostrils, and I took a deep breath in, and with each breath, my heart stopped racing, and my mind became clear. I felt safe here among the tall evergreens that swayed above, like that of a giant holding a baby, rocking back and forth slowly. The birds would sing their happy songs and I would get lost in their unpredictable melody and the variety of pitches they could reach. Deer would feed not too far away as the fawns ran about playing. And if the wind was in my favor, they wouldn't even notice me sitting there. I would spend hours in this exact spot and time seemed to fade away. A monarch dragonfly would often buzz by, occasionally landing on a fern and would lock eyes with me, but only for a brief, quick moment and then it was off again anytime i was feeling anxiety nearly having a panic attack i would run to the forest i would run to the spot i talk about and there i would ground myself this was how i unknowingly coped with the fact that my brother sexually abused me or how i didn't feel safe in my own home of course i didn't know this then i was just trying to survive i was constantly living in fight or flight and in an instant, as soon as things got uncomfortable, I would run. Years down the road, when I started seeing a counselor, she asked me if I ever was suicidal as a child, and I told her no. She informed me that most people who experience sexual trauma to the extent I did often weigh the option of continuing their life. But because I had such a profound connection with Mother Earth, that is what saved me. Wow. I get the chills I, reading it. <laughs> I, I, there's so much, there's so much that I can relate to that when it comes to the way that you describe connecting with the outdoors. And I appreciate you being willing to share that with everyone because there's so much power in the healing of nature. Absolutely. It's what got me through my childhood. It's what kept me from essentially being suicidal and I believe 100% like I was meant to have that experience and it's um, put me on this amazing trajectory of my life now of um, starting a business such as Ridge Patrol and being able to be part of something so much bigger such as this beautiful sisterhood that's now evolving because of our brand where women are finding that confidence in the field and they're they're connecting with like-minded women as well. It's it's not just about the clothing. It's a much bigger picture. And to, to be in a hunting guide, and it's not about getting my clients an animal. It's about giving them that experience to be able to connect while they're out there in the field. And each client has their own story and their, uh, their own path. And so like that part, I have had some pretty life-changing experience through that. And so, you know, Essentially, I'm 
I'm grateful for my childhood and for all of that because now it's put me in this situation of having such that profound um, connection that I will never go and get an office job. I will, <laughs> I will do whatever I can do. Like I'm, I'm tucked away in my little cabin right now, and nothing but mountains surround me. And <laughs> my birthday is coming up on Saturday, and I was telling my boyfriend the other day, I was like, we should go to Bozeman and like go get sushi and like play cornhole for my birthday. And then I was like, I don't want to do that. Let's go rabbit hunting. <laughs> let's, have a good, let's have a good dinner at the cabin at the end of the day. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the power that nature holds, I believe has, has become very disconnected from our society today. I, throughout my life, especially like my early twenties, my friends were always like, why are you always going out to look for elk? Like, why are you always going out in the woods? Like, what's so cool about it? Because I would get done at work. I worked for a rafting company as a, a whitewater guide for 10 summers. And as soon as I got down on the river, I would take off and go scout for elk. My friends were all drinking beer, hanging out, playing cornhole. And they're like, Drea, you're on a different level. Like, why are you always running to the woods? And I'm like, eh, it's my sanctuary. <laughs> exactly. That's how I feel, too. Take me where I don't have service and where I can just be like, it's just so Zen for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you decide in 2023 that you were going to take your health and your wellness more seriously? I hope so. <laughs> if you have, and you are looking for something to help elevate that experience and honestly make it that much more simple as well, kind of a no brainer, you need to be checking out mountain ops. I know if you've listened to the podcast that we are long time lovers of mountain ops. And there is a reason not only do we love their products, but we love the mission behind the company. Not only do they have the best supplements and gear out there that are designed for the athlete and hunter in mind, but every time a purchase is made at mountainops.com, a nutritious meal is prepared for a child in need. That is done with the Operation Conquer Hunger team that works with charity partners to manufacture a nutritious meal. The charity partners work with a validated organization and local governments to transport and distribute, and meals are given to children in need. This is all from mountainops.com. If you weren't already looking for some nutrition and supplements, that mission alone should make you want to go over to mountainops.com and take a look. If you are wanting to know our favorites over at the podcast, you know, we love their Ignite, the supercharged energy and focus. This is fantastic to put in your pack, especially as we get going into shed hunting season. You're going to want these. Seriously, it gives you that boost of energy. That is good, clean energy instead of those stupid energy drinks that you have in your pack. And then, of course, you know, we love their protein bars. Again, easy to throw in your backpack. And they are seriously like the softest, most they're like a soft bake, delicious bar that you can always reach for in your backpack. And even my kids love these, which says a lot. And of course, at night, you know you're trying to cut back on those drinks or just having a hard time going to sleep and you're needing a little bit of that help or some recovery, you have to check out my favorite, the Slumber for a Deep Sleep Recovery that has a special blend of magnesium and melatonin and you wake up rejuvenated. There's none of this grogginess the next day. If you want to support the show and see what Mountain Ops is all about, go to mountainops.com and you can shop all of their nutrition and gear. 
And don't forget to use the code Brit free ship to get your free shipping and help support the show. Again, that's Brit B R I T T free ship to get your free shipping. What? So you're going through, you said you were kind of like going through therapy and figuring all this out. Is that then what led you to guiding? Like, can you describe what's happening with yourself and where Ridge Patrol comes into play and then guiding? For sure. So this year was my, my sixth year guiding. So I've been guiding for a while, but ever since I was young, like I was telling my little, I would like take my little brothers out in the woods behind the house and my sister, let's go, let's go look for elk. You know, I was always itching to share that with people. And like, I loved the challenge of trying to find animals and get close to them. And I actually write about this experience in my book. It was my very first solo hunt, solo pack out in Colorado. So I lived in Colorado for 10 years. That's where I started guiding back in, um, I believe it was 2017. But I drew a really good mule deer tag. It was a rifle tag. My sister also drew that tag. So my dad and her, they went hunting and I went out by myself. I was determined to shoot a mule deer all by myself. Um, And so I went out. And how old were you? Uh, let's see. I was two now. So I was like late twenties. So that was probably like 27. Perfect. Uh, And got out there, had this amazing experience. Like I said, I write about it in my book and I didn't realize how much of an impact that hunt would have on me until I was in it. And I, I killed this beautiful monster mule deer and I was standing there above him and was just filled with so much gratitude. I, I cried. I had this amazing moment and was like, wow, nobody's here to help me. Like I've, yeah. I've got a lot of work. I've got a lot of work to do. I, I couldn't call anybody for help. I didn't have service. And so I said, all right, it's just, you got to do it. So I cut that animal up. I deboned all the meat. So I, it was a little bit lighter to carry out. And I threw that entire mule deer on my pack with my gun and I hiked out of there. And that was one of the hardest things I have ever done physically and mentally hiking, hiking back to the truck. It was about a three mile pack out and I would go a hundred yards and have to sit down. My legs were shaken and the biggest, like, it's almost impossible to put into words the experience I had because I I realized who I was in that moment for so many years of my life. I was so weak. I I thought of myself as like a very small person that wasn't worthy of love, that wasn't worthy of anything good. You know, all these negative aspects from my trauma. And as I packed that deer out, I was just like, wow, you are capable. You are so strong. You have the power to do whatever you want to do and you can do it as long as you put your mind to it. And so I just had these mantras. I get the chills thinking, talking about it now. Like I had these mantras as I was packing this deer out, you know, I'd go a hundred yards and just what's you are worthy. You are worthy. And I would get, and I would take a break to the next spot and just be like, wow, like you are so capable of anything you want. And I would just keep hiking. And in that moment I was like, Hmm, maybe I should look into becoming a hunting guide. Like it was just kind of a a thought that went through my mind, but but I was so focused on the task at hand that I didn't really give it too much thought. A couple of days later, I was at the bar with my girlfriend and we were just having like a good time catching up. 
so much testosterone in the room that we were just like actually pretty annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy, this guy, um, my friend Bill came over to the bar and was like, Hey, my friend Pat and I are playing pool over here. You want to come play? Play a game of pool. We're like, okay, sure. And so Bill and Pat were hunting guides for the previous outfitter that I worked for. And, you know, we started talking and they were saying how they were hunting guides and they were on break and Amy was like, oh my gosh, Drea, you got to tell him all about your mule deer hunt. Oh my gosh, my friend's so badass. Tell him, you got to tell him about this big buck you just shot, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. So I told him the story, showed him the photos and they're like, wow, you should come work with us. I was like, what, really? Mm-hmm. Like, it was that yeah. simple? And they're like, yeah, like, you know, we don't need you this year. Season's pretty much over, but if you want to come guide with us next year, we'll put a good word in um, with our boss and you've got a job. And so that's how I got into the guiding world, but it was always something that I loved doing. Like I would take, like I said, take my siblings out or friends that had never hunted. I always encouraged them to come along with me because I just wanted to share that space with as many people as I could. Like I said, it wasn't about notching the tag and killing animals. It was about sharing that experience with others because I I find it's the best drug out there. Oh, Um, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Was that something you were, when they're telling you, like, I love the fact that you're getting like these little, um, like inspirations as you're having that moment of clarity and solitude and almost sometimes being on the mountain is almost like one big meditation. I feel like because mm-hmm. you're just one with yourself and your body's moving and then you, you get this opportunity that's thrown at you. Not that long after, were you having moments of like, holy shit, I'm going to do this, but did you feel like you were fully ready and capable to be a guide or did you Um, feel like that next year until the next fall, you were kind of like taking everything in and prepping yourself to be this guide? Yes and no. So I met these guys in the fall of 2017 and I was like, all right, if you're going to be a hunting guide, you've got to learn as much as you can. Like I've never been somebody that gives, you know, half asses it. I want to be able to give 110%. I want to know what I'm doing when I'm out in the field with a client. Like, you know, it could go south pretty quickly. And I knew these people were paying a lot of money to come out. And so I wanted to make sure my skill set was there. So the following September, I took the entire month off and I went out on a quest to learn about elk and mule deer and bear and their habitat. And I set up camp at the spot we call the honey hole that my family found. And I stayed there for the entire month. My family would come on the weekends and hunt with me, but I spent a lot of days by myself in the woods. And I learned so much, not only about the wild game and their habitat, but about myself. Like I I just felt reborn and I had this new appreciation to learning about, you know, why, why are elk here at this time of year? Or like, why do I need a hike so far to get, get here? And then like, just the lessons within myself as well. And so I took that entire month of September. And I was just like, I don't care, care if I harvest anything. I just, I want to learn so I can apply it for October when I would go to the outfitter to guide for rifle season. And I learned a lot. And I feel like that's where a lot of people struggle when they're first getting into hunting is they get so down on themselves because they're not successful or they're not finding animals. And I've always told people the more time you spend in the field, the more experience you get, you're going to ultimately become a more successful hunter. And it just comes down to time. And like I said, that month of September, I learned so much versus like, you know, majority of people go out 
for a few days because they've got to work. And I said, screw it. I am, I am not working for the entire month <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to go do this. And, um, I learned a lot, like I said, not only about, uh, the habitat and the animals, but really about myself. And it really sort of cleared my mind as to like, what do I want to do with my life moving forward? I felt like I had crossed the bridge of like becoming more confident and like finally having that feeling within myself of I'm no longer a victim. I am not going to let that part of it define me versus I'm going to let it be fuel and having that just essentially month long of meditation really sort of put a lot into perspective of how I wanted to move forward with my life, started writing my book while I was out there. Um, and of course that part of my book is <laughs> I've written my book four times and I've, I'm on my <laughs> fifth, my fifth round. And I feel like it's finally from like a good, healthy perspective versus then I was just like angry, anxiety. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, working through all the emotions while writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that's therapeutic in itself. Just writing, a, writing a book. And yeah, I give you it, kudos uh, for that because I am not a writer. <laughs> I never was, but that was a skill my therapist taught me, um, was it all started with writing down my emotions. Cause that was something I had a really hard time regulating mm -hmm. was my emotions. And so, um, I would be like hot to cold. Like I wasn't bipolar, but it was just like, I never learned how to deal with my emotions growing up. And so she was like, all right, this is your homework. You, anytime you feel something, I want you to write down what you're feeling. And then I want you to just sit with it. And whatever comes out on paper comes out on paper. So I don't have a degree in writing or English lit or anything, but here I am writing a book. And I think that all started sort of with my, my therapist when she first was like, just write about it. Is that something you still do today is write out your emotions to figure them out? Um, not necessarily to figure them out. But I, I like to, I write a lot about a lot of different things. I feel like my writing has evolved a little bit more now. Um, but I do like to write about certain situations so I could put it out there to the world because I feel like a lot of people get stuck in their own little bubble and they think like, oh, no one else is feeling this way. I'm the only one. But when you can share your emotions with like, especially on like social media, it's a great platform for it. People can relate people are able to connect with that and sort of ground themselves with that. That is the, the cool aspect of social media is being able to connect with people that either not even necessarily like like-minded people, but that kind of connect with you on different aspects of what it is that you're going through. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And do you remember your very first client that you guided and how that hunt went? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> It was great. Um, his name was Steve and we're still friends to this day. Oh, cool. And it was my very first day on the job and he showed up as a self-guided hunter. They were staying in one of the remote cabins, but he came down to camp and was like, Hey, I've, I got a mule deer tag. I'll pay your, one of your guides 500 bucks if they put me on a good mule deer. Mm -hmm. And my old boss looked over at me and he pointed at me and he said, there's your lady. We call her <laughs> Miss Tenacity. <laughs> so... And of course, everyone was, all the guides, they were, oh, you should go here. You should check this spot out, you know, because they wanted me to be successful. But I was like, all right, okay. But really, I knew exactly where I wanted to go. And I took him there and he harvested a, a, a great muley that day. And we've we've been lifelong friends since then. 
Right on. That's awesome. Do you find that I'm kind of curious being a female guide, do you feel like you're embraced as a female or do you feel like there's a little bit of hesitancy of like, okay, can she do this? Yeah. Crazy you asked this question because leading up to this last fall, yes, I, I, I felt 98% of the time I was supported. Um, a lot of the clients thought it was amazing that they had a female guide and you know a lot of them sort of were a little bit hesitant coming into the hunt but at the end of the hunt they were just like wow like super impressed with your skills and um you know i put a lot of my clients on opportunities as well and so like i said 90 percent of the time yes but the the outfitter i was previously working for this last year so in, in 22 i i took a new role with them with with managing their two remote cabins and i had worked for them for five previous years and um, just put a lot of my heart and soul into that place and made a lot of really good connections with a lot of, a lot of clients. And I felt like I was building something for myself that was really cool and unique. I was managing these cabins. So I was booking all the clientele. I was taking care of all the work. So from firewood, cutting down firewood for the cabins to renovating the cabins to creating um, like natural, cooler space for our food to store scouting all the customer service that gets involved with the clientele. I was busting my ass 24 seven and wasn't making great money, but I was doing what I loved. And there were a few red flags that would come up, but they always chalked it up to, Oh, these are just growing pains. Drea, like we're just trying to figure this out. And I'm like, all right. But one of the guides showed up and this man and I in particular never really got along. The very first conversation I had with him that year before was him telling me Ridge Patrol would never succeed. And I was like, okay, well, you know what? It is going to, and I'm going to let that comment be fuel. And I'm going to show you someday that we will be the number one woman's gear out there. Just give us some time. You know, we're (laughs) at that time we were just under a year in business. So pretty new. Um, And this gentleman in particular sort of, he, he gave me a little bit of a, a bad taste and he gave me a look into sort of the sexism that goes on within the hunting industry, being a woman. Um, essentially, I experienced sexual harassment from him last fall. He made some pretty nasty comments about me and a dildo in front of his wife, clients, other guides, and apparently the boss was there too. Everyone sort of chalked it up to, oh, you know, he maybe had a couple beers and it was just a crude comment. And like, you shouldn't take it hard on yourself, Drea. Like, don't let one comment from one person ruin your day. You know, you're just being triggered from your past trauma and like, you can get past this. Like, downplaying this comment from this guide versus being like, this is not acceptable, especially in at all, but especially in the hunting industry as professionals, like this is not acceptable. We should take actions. They did talk to him and he admitted to being a sexist pig. I still have not received an apology from him. So ultimately I just walked away from that outfitter and found this job here in Montana, which once again, another step that like, I'm super happy that happened. Like not happy that this man was making these gross comments about me. Like he literally made me so sick. Like I was in camp and having to see him and like, 
it, it definitely brought me back to the days when I was dealing with my past trauma and like those emotions came back, felt very violated, very disrespected, especially I worked so hard and put so much time and like I brought in a lot of money for that company with their hunters and to be treated that way and for them to react that way. I was like, I will no longer work for a company or anybody who is going to to treat me this way, especially when I've put so much time into this place. And so, yeah, 98% of the time it's been amazing and it's been supportive, but there have been instances like that. And, you know, I've had some clients that were always questioning my judgment in the field and you have to just sort of work with them. You know, you're just like, all right, I have this client for five days. I can get through this, but that's, it's bound to happen. You know, mm-hmm. um, I feel like you and I, we are this next generation of hunters and I feel very strongly. It's very important to talk about the mental health aspects that are, um, associated with being in the field and addressing these issues as they come up, not to like point fingers or place blame, but like, this is not acceptable. Definitely. No, I think it is. It's a strong, a strong thing to talk about and it should be addressed. And it goes to show too, like, honestly, it's in any industry as well. Just when it comes to, I mean, you'll get an asshole anywhere, right? (laughs) Yeah. And it is, I think it is pretty cool seeing, um, as time's gone on, even since, um, you know, I've been in my twenties or even, I just remember going to camp as like a little girl with my dad and we'd be on guided hunts and he'd roll in with me and they'd be like, like, is she's hunting? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. but I think it's, it is evolving and it's nice to see that. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's nice to see women in the outdoors too, that are showing up as, who they are and as athletes and as hunters and not just in this sexist kind of way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel like we're bringing, um, the feminine energy. Yeah. You know, they say mother earth, she's a a feminine being, she's a feminine energy. And I feel like it's just kind of coming back full circle now with that. It's really great to see these ladies who are taking that plunge and, they're learning how to how to be self-reliant on the land and you know it's it's not easy to to learn how to kill an animal and to be able to pack that pack it out mm-hmm. and i feel very grateful to have the the past experiences these last couple years with being able to go out with some of my good friends and strangers like women i had just met all because usually through social media and to be able to see that just confidence like in their face as they like conquer a mountain, like the simplest things like mm-hmm. hiking that mountain and being like, oh. and then especially if you hear a bugle up on top of the mountain, it's like, Oh, what <laughs> is this course. world? Yeah. 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 It's, it's the best drug there is. Like I said yeah. earlier. And I think too, as women, like in the outdoors, I think it's good to be confident, but also to be willing, like not everybody's against us being in the outdoors, mm-hmm. sit back and, and learn just because we have a lot to offer the mill side and they have a lot yeah. to offer us and it's just and people in general. There's a lot to learn from one another. Exactly. Exactly. Throw everything you know about website templates. These are cocktail inspired, completely customizable websites designed for people who give a damn. They are designed for you by tonic 
what I love about Tonic is they give you a totally unique, awesome website at a fraction of the cost. Seriously, custom sites typically cost more like $20,000. You don't have to learn how to code. I know, breath of relief. It's drag and drop it like it's hot in show its design dashboard. These aren't your typical templates, super intentional, designed to convert, built with a ton of strategy and even super helpful copy prompts. I'm serious. Check out the reckoningpodcast.com. This was designed with Tonic Side Shop. It's so easy to use and update anytime you have a great idea. No need to hire a developer every time you need an update. And I just genuinely love the aesthetic of it. And I'm serious. It's going to attract your dream clients, your dream customers. Use my special discount code reckoning 15 for 15% off your new design templates. And yes, they even have payment plans. Go to tonicsiteshop.com and use my special discount code reckoning 15 for 15% off your new website design buy it today and you'll be launched with a new beautiful design for 2023 next week. So when does Ridge Patrol come into play? We've mentioned it several times. Can you kind of give us how that all came about? Absolutely. So I was living in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, um, three winters ago. So we, we started 2020, I guess, like when COVID all went down and I met my business partner, Bevan, through Rocky Mountain Sportswomen, which is a nonprofit there. I was an ambassador, or I am an ambassador for them. So my good friend, Elena, she's the founder. So she runs that. So they put on free fly fishing or free like fly fishing events, ice fishing events, snowshoeing, just like getting women together in the outdoors. Everything's free because they want women to be able to have that accessibility to, to be able to connect and learn. And so I met Elena through there and she had reached out to me saying, Hey, I know this lady Bevan. She's attended a few of our events. She started up a clothing line, Ridge Patrol, and she's looking for ladies to try on her gear, her clothes, and give feedback. Being five one, fairly stocky and muscular, like I was and my friend Elena, super tall and like lean and skinny. So we had plans to go there together and try on the clothes and give her feedback but some things happened and Elena couldn't go and I was like well I'm gonna go like this seems like a cool opportunity I've always been an opportunist too so I look at things like you never know what can come from this connection showed up at her house we instantly connected I tried on the clothes and just kind of fell in love with the whole idea that she had behind the brand she didn't grow up in a family that hunted like she had very limited experience hunting so um, with her ex they did a lot of turkey hunting and a lot of waterfowl hunting and she always felt very uncomfortable in the clothes the camo the hunting clothes that she was wearing she felt they didn't they were not made with the woman's body in mind They were very restrictive. They were very unflattering. Like she would change at the vehicle before going to the grocery store to get stuff for dinner because she didn't want to be seen in these these clothes. And so Bevan gets all the credit for starting up Bridge Patrol. I simply came along once all of that got evolved. And so uh, I met, we tried on the clothes and little bit by little bit, I started helping her like with her Instagram and her photography. I tested out her clothes for her on um, a mule deer hunt in Arizona. So I went to Arizona 
that winter of 2020 and chase Q's deer and mule deer in the desert and tested out her pants for her, got some content and just started growing through social media. You know, I was posting and doing all these things and people started engaging in it and started realizing like, Oh wow. Like that this is very much needed in, in the world today. Like women hunters is one of the largest growing demographics and it's hard for ladies to find clothing that, not only like performs, but when I wear my Ridge Patrol gear, which I'm wearing it right now, and I wear yeah, I it all the that. time, but especially in the field, like when I have my Ridge Patrol clothes on, I feel like invincible. Like I feel like I can conquer any mountain. I feel like I always call it like my, my gown, you know, like someone has their dress, like their ball gown, but like that is the clothing that like makes me feel fierce. Mm-hmm. And so that's, really the idea behind the brand is, you know, we are fierce women and we deserve clothing that can keep up with us no matter what trail we take. And so that's sort of like our mantra. And we've been in business yet. uh, It was a year in August, so about a year and a half now. And everything's made within the U.S. We are working on some really cool prototypes right now. It's rain gear. It's nothing. There's nothing like it on the market. Um, but to back it up a little bit. So um, I tested out the gear in the Arizona hunt, started managing social media for Bevan and our connection just really grew. I think she saw my obsession and my love for hunting and being in the wild. And of course I helped her critique the clothes early on and we ended up with our first line. We launched it and we had a successful like first presale and she asked me to come on as her business partner. And I was just like, oh, that's really amazing. Like I never went to school for business or anything. And she's like, that's fine. I'll handle all the logistics. You're going to be my gear gal. Um, so technically my title is CMO. So the marketing person. So moving forward, I test out all the gear. I draw them up. So I have the ideas and I'm in the field 300 days out of the year. And so it's... I feel like I bring something to the table that a lot of these clothing lines do not have is because I'm literally living it all the time and, you know, I am testing it out in in all the elements, the desert, the mountains, rain, snow, you name it. Granted, we are pretty small and we only have the one line right now. Um, And so we're evolving as a small business. I'm really excited for where it's bringing us, the sisterhood that has been created is really warms my heart super grateful for the connections that I've been able to make through that and just like I said seeing that like confidence that these women have on their face when they are wearing our clothes and they're out there whether they're skate skiing or hiking or shed hunting or hunting you name it our clothing is essentially designed for the outdoor women but specifically geared towards the hunting woman. And can you give us an idea of what you have in that line for clothing? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like a spring fall line. We have our Ridge Runner pants, which we have completely sold out. The ladies love our pants. Um, They are designed more so for warmer weather or for like constantly moving. So if you're sitting in a tree stand, not the best pant to wear, which I experienced that in Pennsylvania. (laughs) Last month, we were, my boyfriend and I were there seeing his family and we did some tree stand hunting and I had to wear 
like really warm layers underneath. But for active wear, like yesterday, we went and climbed the mountain in the snow and I was completely fine. They have um, side zips on the side, triple layer on the on the butt and the knees, um, more of a lighter weight, water resistant material. And so the ladies love our pants. Those have sold out. Um, the fleece, which I'm wearing is like a very durable layer. So like if I'm going out to chop firewood or if I'm going to go camping or I literally wear it for everything, but it holds up really well. It's got a nice high neck on it. It's really warm and cozy. We've got yoga pants, tech tops, tank tops, um, and then we have a hoodie, which I wear all the time. It's like a lightweight hoodie. So our hoodie, our leggings, our tech top and our tank are all made out of recycled materials. So they're all made out of recycled water bottles and they're, it's very flattering, soft fabric. We kind of envision our brand to be somewhat like a Lululemon of hunting. So mm-hmm. something that's very comfortable and like you feel good in it and it's gonna breathe, it's gonna perform, it's going to move with you it's not going to be restrictive we all know what that's like to hike a mountain in the pants pants are restrictive and they're hot and they don't breathe but when i'm running up a mountain wearing my ridge patrol i feel like i can move effortlessly and be very comfortable and then we have our jacket as well so it's just like a very basic like i said spring fall line um, I guess summer technically too, because of our, our tech top or tank top. I wear those scouting in the summer all the time, our leggings. Um, but we're currently working on a waterproof bib and jacket, which has a really cool design. I'm not going to give out the details <laughs> yet, uh, but there's nothing like it on the market. And um we're just waiting on our final drawing for me to approve. And then we're going to get that prototype up and running. And so within probably two months, I will be sharing with everybody that prototype and they'll be able to see the design and um, sort of what's, what's to come. That won't be available for purchase probably until 24, just because it is such a complex technical piece and it's going to take probably a few prototypes before we have that piece finalized and ready for production. Nice. I see. What's the jacket that you're wearing right now? You said it's your wool because it has that yeah. big, tall neck. Mm-hmm. And then does this it have is, thumb holes? It does. I so like, our hoodie, a thumb hole sells me. <laughs> yes, I love it. Um, I like I said, I wore it hiking yesterday. I wore our hoodie underneath because it has the big hood and the built-in um, like buff. And then okay. with this. And it zips all the way down to like your belly button. So when you get hot, you can zip it down. It's got a nice pocket. Um, you can store chapstick, whatever you want in there. Um, but yeah, it's just an overall like solid piece of, I've had this one for two years and I have one teeny little hole in it and that's probably from cutting firewood or, or yeah. something like that. But <laughs> That happens. Yeah. If someone was to start with your line, what would you say would be like two pieces that you would suggest either a female buy for herself or maybe someone Valentine's is around the corner, guys. If you're listening, this would be the perfect gift. Mm -hmm. The hoodie I love because for one, it's flattering. So we only have it available in camo right now, but our camo is really nice. Um, We have a really good design. It's not like redneck looking. It's flattering. Um, (laughs) But I would say our hoodie because you can literally wear it for anything you can if you like to fly fish if you like to hike if you can literally wear it lounging i wear it all the time so our alpine glow hoodie 
or our desk breaker jacket. My boyfriend told me the other day, he said, that's my favorite outfit that you wear. It was a pair of Levi jeans with my desk breaker jacket. <laughs> it's, that seems accurate. It's a, yeah, it, it, it's very, it has a flattering fit to it. Like I said, that's sort okay. of our, our, you know, we want ladies to look and feel good in our clothes. And that's what's missing in the industry mm-hmm. is, is clothes that look good. And so it's flattering. I've had a lot of friends say like, oh, I wore it to the rodeo or I wore it to date night. It has the high neck as well. It's water resistant and wind resistant. It's fleece lined and it, it swoops a little bit lower in the back to give that flattering look. But I, I wear it all the time. It's available in green and in camo. And if anyone's, yeah, and (laughs) (laughs) I'll drop my personal discount code right now, which is Drea, D-R-A-Y-A 10. So if any of you are listening and you want to play in order, whether that's for yourself, for your wife, for your lady, your sister, your mother, you name it, you can use my personal discount code Drea 10 to receive 10% off of your order. Right on. Thank you so much, Drea. That's awesome. I, there's something to be said about... I know there's always like a big discussion of like, what's the best camouflage, la di da di da. And there, there's just something about if you're comfortable and you feel confident, I think that definitely goes to show in your performance, Absolutely. whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've had deer and elk 10 yards away from me. I've been wearing all green. <laughs> right. But you play the wind, right? And, exactly. and whatnot. That's like, how I always It doesn't feel. matter. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter which camo pattern you have on out there. Like there's other factors that play into it. Exactly. That's always my big thing. But you know, if you're confident and you feel good, like if you're comfortable, then you're going to be out in the field longer and able to perform and get in different positions because you never know where you're going to find yourself and needing to move. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious now, like what is the day in the life of you look like being a guide and a business owner? Absolutely. It's, um, quite the hustle. So right now it's nice because I'm coming off of essentially six months, six months of working really hard and just got home from, from Pennsylvania to see the family for the holidays and do some hunting there. And so now it's jumping into, you know, the work that we have for, for 23. And so Bevan and I are the only two members of Bridge Patrol. So we carry a huge workload. She handles the logistics. I handle, like I said, gear, photography, connections like this, reaching out to companies. So you're constantly through social media, trying to connect, trying to engage, constantly working on posts. I cannot wait until I can pay somebody (laughs) to be able to take over social media because I would love to have more time in the field. Um, But, you know, it's just this the small business grind of you are working constantly. There are no days off. Um, I, I try really hard to, when I'm with people to try and use that time for them and to be like, I don't always want to be that person that's constantly on my phones trying to post, but it's a grind. You Mm -hmm. have to, it's, it's a lot of work and especially being so new and small evolved, you know, there's a lot of pieces of gear. So like, I'm like, Oh, I have this idea. So I'll draw up a piece of gear. Like I need to get this on paper now before I forget about it, you know, and you throw it into my stash of like future gear for Ridge Patrol. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, just a a constant grind 
Um, like I said, it's off season now from, from hunting season. And so that sort of takes away that. Um, but that's when I feel like I'm in like my, my prime is during guide season, because when I'm out in the field, I'm getting all that content. I'm getting, um, those experiences with the clients and you're really, I feel like I'm really able to portray that through our business and to really highlight the important aspects of, of what it is to be a hunter. Like it's so much more than just a clothing line. It's, it's a way of life. Um, and so I feel like when hunting seasons here we have a really good opportunity, not only through myself, but all these other women who are out in the field and they're sharing about it too, that it feels good. Do you have like a set routine? I would imagine coming off of guiding season and just the hunting season in general, it's always kind of weird for us. And we're not out like you are like every day, but it's kind of like when a sports season ends because that's what it is. And then you're kind of like in this limbo of like, well, now what do I do? And now you're a business owner too. So are you finding that you have to kind of like find your new normal and kind of set a routine for yourself so you don't get into that like... I don't know. For me, it's like a depressive state if I'm not like having my routine and going through the flow of things. Yeah. I really like to utilize the winter as, so they, you know, they call it like the hibernation time. Mm -hmm. And I, I like to take that time to really just like try and organize everything. Yeah. Like it's coming off of like, it's almost overwhelming. I've got taxes and I've never done taxes as a small business owner. And I, you know, two 1099s that I've got to figure out, I've got to like, settle back up with all these other people that, uh, you know, these meetings have been pushed off. And so it's trying to refine that balance, but just to give myself grace in that and to really just like one thing at a time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I think you joined the new Instagram page that I created. It's, um, women who hunt tough. I did. I was like, follow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just, it's just another platform for, you know, us ladies who hunt, like we do have to train differently than men. And I grew up in a family of nine brothers where I would go out to backcountry with them and I was always in the back and I had to like mantra the hell out of that hike to be able to keep up with them and to be able to get there. Like, you got this, you got this, just, you know, keep powering through. And then being a hunting guide and being out in the field with these guys that can literally run up the mountain and I'm five one. I'm a small person. Like, and as females, we are just designed differently. And so yeah. I created that page all for the aspect of these are the tools that I have found in the past six years being a hunting guide that has kept me strong, not only like physically but mentally. And then by the time hunting season gets here, you're good to go. There's no crunch time to have to be able to train and get ready. You're already mentally and physically prepared for that. And I've had a lot of ladies reach out to me asking like, how do you train? Mm -hmm. How do you stay strong? Like what's your go-to training to to be strong for hunting season? And so I figured, you know, I'm just going to put together this page and definitely we We could do a whole other episode on that because that is a topic in itself. I'm like, I refuse as one of the only females out hunting with the boys, like my ass ain't going to be in the back of the pack. Exactly. You guys are going to be trying to keep up with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've had moments like that where I've been out with some of my guy friends and they just charge up the mountain and pretty soon they're sucking air and I just do 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 walk uh-huh. right by them and they're like, Drea. And I'm like, yep, you got to go slow and steady. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta breathe. Charge up the mountain. 
And so I would love to record another episode regarding that. I would love to get to the point where we can do live workouts together um, and so let cool. it be a platform that like, I'm not just trying to like tell people how to, tr- if someone else has other great ideas. I would love to be able to use that platform to share that. I think that's so, so smart. And it's doing it now during like the off season, slower season, so that you're not having that oh shit moment when it's, August, mm-hmm. September, October, and you're on the mountain wishing you would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Year round, year round. Um, I like to call it, it's just the lifestyle. It's the mm-hmm. way of life versus like training. It's, it's just what we do. It's just, what I do. And, um, you know, I'm sure everyone has their own, their own things they enjoy. Maybe they're just strictly whitetail hunters. But for me, I love going out and looking for antlers and so in the mm-hmm. spring that's a great way to train is just going out and looking for for sheds with my dog and before you know it you've done six miles that day and you've gone up and down and around and you know yeah shed hunting like, is like my favorite workout <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah shed hunting and weighted hikes is where it's at for me <laughs> yeah for sure i couldn't agree more with that are there any tips that you have for female hunters i'm sure you've being a guide, you've had a lot of moments with maybe other females, um, or just getting started. If there's anything that you have for somebody, that would be some helpful tips. Absolutely. One, you don't need a man to hold your hand. I've always said Preach that. It. <laughs> <laughs> Grant, not saying there's, like you said, we all benefit each other in the field, but I've heard so many times these ladies being like, Oh, my husband doesn't let me go to hunt camp with him. I wish I could hunt, but he never lets me go. Well, go on your own, but easier said than done easier said than done so in order to get to that just realize that like go into it with a learning mindset that you are going to fail a lot but each time you fail you learn something new and to just try and like hold grace for yourself and like I'm constantly humbled when I am out there I love hunting with my dad he's in his 70s and he still he's been hunting his whole life he still messes up but it's you know, the wild is the best classroom there is out there. It's a great teacher. The more time you spend in the field, the more experience you get out there, the more successful of a hunter you are going to become. So for me, I will go out and sometimes just glass for an hour. Like I, I like to glass a lot. And the reason why is because you get to learn what the animals are doing. So let's say you go out and you're like, I'm going to glass from two o'clock until dark. Well, you don't anything from two o'clock until maybe four, four thirty. But during that time, you're able to study the land. You're able to be like, okay, I'm going to put myself in a scenario. If I were to go out there, what is the easiest way to get to the top of that mountain? So you can learn a lot simply by just looking at the land. And then when the animals come out and they're moving, you learn a lot from them as well. Okay. It's, it's in the evening. Why are they coming out of this dark timber? Are they going directly to water? Why are they feeding? Oh, now it's winter time. They're on a South facing slope. Why are they on a South facing slope well that's where the food is that's where the sun is that's where the warmth is it's where their nutrition is you know in the summer they're going to be in the dark timber where it's cool and where there's water and so getting out and glassing is a great way to learn without having to put yourself in the field if you're not ready for that Um, and just because you don't feel a tag doesn't mean you failed as a hunter it happens to all of us Um, that would be me this last year (laughs) yeah me too. Going I'm like, two years in damn a row. it. My freezer is looking empty. I don't like it. Yeah. We went rabbit hunting yesterday because we're just like, we need meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need meat. We didn't fill any tags. And this morning there was a little rabbit outside and I was like, oh, I'm dinner. Go. Yeah. 
And so don't be too hard on yourself. And if there are, if you are a woman and you're, and you're new to hunting and you want to get into it, and if there are any women-based clinics or events, things like that, whether it's even just social media pages, follow them, attend these events, because I personally have um, hosted like a women's big game clinic. So last year I hosted a women's big game clinic and a women's turkey hunt. And for both of those events, they were all new hunters and they learned so much but not only that they walked away with new girlfriends that are like really good friends now and it's really cool to see it's cool to see that evolve because now that you've got girlfriends to do it with it's like all right let's go like we said it doesn't have to be this woman man thing but it's a lot easier to learn from other women just because our minds our brains are designed differently than men and mm-hmm. it's it's hard to learn from your significant other like my ex he tried to teach me how to fly fish and I hated it because like I had this like it was they, <laughs> you know <laughs> our brains work differently and then you know I host these women you know big game clinics and these ladies are thriving they're like sponges they're hey watch out there's a tree down on the trail, watch your step. Uh, oh, hey, hey, oh, there's some loose rock. Watch it. Oh, watch out. There's a stick. Versus sometimes when you're out with your partner, they yep. just go. See ya. <laughs> yeah. That is so true. It's, it's crazy because I'm um, in my 30s, so like 33. And I, not until this last fall, August, was my first time getting to go hunting with a girlfriend, just the two of us. And I was like, what is this life it was it was so much fun we left the boys back at camp with the kids which was hilarious in its own listening to the radio conversations Mm -hmm. like would i ever radio you and be like so what are we doing for dinner tonight like (laughs) (laughs) like figure it out i'm exactly yeah (laughs) good luck turning this off and it was it was so much fun and then of course she moved thanks a lot candace but yeah i see the events that you guys put on or Um, just the different things come across social media. And I think how cool it is watching other women actually get to have that group of friends, because like I said, I don't, I don't have that. And so you're right. It definitely maybe reaching out of your comfort zone a little bit and going to those could be helpful. And too, I think it's really smart. Like you said, there comes a time when a lot of us, I think as females are hunting with like our dads or our husbands or boyfriends or our guy friends, whatever it may be. There's a time where you just got to rip off that bandaid and go do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. You can it's do very, it. Yeah. You, you've you got all this knowledge and I think you'll be surprised what really you do know once you're out there by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very empowering. I could not agree more. What upcoming adventures do you have with Ridge Patrol, with your hunting? What, what things are you excited about? Yeah. So I guess I've covered a few of them. Obviously mm-hmm. the book, I'm working on the book. Um, I'm hoping to have that up for a pre-sale in a couple months. Perfect. No, no promises there, but that's kind of the goal that I'm, I'm making. This book has all been like, no pressure. I'm going to write when I have time. I'm, I'm not trying to fill a deadline, but I'm feeling that calling that it's, it's time to, to mm-hmm. finish it and complete it and put it up for pre-sale. Um, Phil June on the Ridge Patrol stuff. And I've got a woman's pheasant hunt coming up in March in Utah with my good friend, Bridget Fable. She owns Dixie Top Outfitters. And so a group of, there'll be nine ladies hunting and then there'll be 
um, Elena, the founder of Rocky Mountain Sportswoman, I was talking about myself and Bridget, the owner of Dixie Top Outfitters, will be there. We're all going to have our dogs. It's going to be, a, it's a two-day hunt. So I'm really looking forward to that. A uh, bunch of ladies getting together and hunting. And then just an exciting upcoming job here with Upper Canyon Outfitters. So I guided for them last fall, currently living on property and season will start in May. And so um, just working for them, being outside, doing what I love, and then taking up some some writing opportunities with Shoot Like a Girl, um, which is another organization all about women getting out and like being safe, like a lot of gun safety and hunting mm-hmm. and outdoor safety. So kind of a lot of irons in the fire, nothing like huge, huge, but like a lot of exciting things sort of just going on. For sure. And we can link to all that in the show notes too. So everyone can find what's happening. Where does everybody find you? Where can we follow you on social media? Um, you Ridge patrol, whatever it may be. Absolutely. Ridge patrol on Instagram is Ridge patrol. Our website is ridgepatrol.com. TikTok Ridge underscore patrol. Um, and if you want to connect with me directly, you can find me through that because I manage all those platforms as well. So yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. It was so fun to get to know you and hear your story and how it all started. It's super inspiring and definitely relatable. Yeah. Thank you, Brittany. It's, it was great to connect and great to chat and hopefully you someone can so take welcome. something away from this. I definitely think they can. Yeah. Oh. Thank you so much, Drea. I think that is it. And like I said, I genuinely would love to have you come back on and discuss more about training because that like speaks to my soul. I'm always with my weighted pack on my treadmill downstairs at an incline. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of, I'm going to plug that one in. So for any of you ladies out there who hunt or you're just outdoor women, but you're looking for specific training to get you ready for season, give us a follow. I just created the Instagram yesterday. It's women who hunt tough, no space, no underscores, women who hunt tough. And I'll be sharing, um, the experiences I've learned being a hunting guide, like the tools that I have, I have found also daily inspiration and just like that sisterhood community. Sweet. Yeah. That's needed. It's nice when you hit that niche, like right on man. Speak to my soul. Please don't forget to subscribe. If you're listening to us on Apple podcasts, leave a five-star rating interview. It seriously helps more than, you know, if you took something away from this podcast or you enjoyed it, please take a screenshot of you listening to it or a selfie and tag us on Instagram at the reckoning podcast or me at Brittany.long. We're excited to chat with you next week.